and welcome to the Woman of Wine podcast. My name is Kayla and I am so excited you are here. We're on number three, episode three. This is awesome. I am just stoked that people are listening and that you are tuning in with me again. So thank you so very much. Obviously, when I started this podcast, it was about interviewing different women in the wine industry, and the most obvious interview was going to be women winemakers. And this one to start off with is not one that grew up in a winemaking family, has a vineyard, studied winemaking in undergrad. She has really built her brand from the ground up, and her name is Laura Brennan Bizzle, and she is the owner of Inkanu Wines, which is only six years old, and it has just been blowing up and doing so well. And she, in 2017, was named Winemaker to Watch by San Francisco Chronicle. Um, and I just think that this interview is just so fun to hear about how she started the brand and how she balances being a mother to three kids, how she is able to manage stress and just so much more. So I think it's a really fun and inspiring interview for anybody that wants to start their own brand and doesn't have all the resources that you think you need to have to start a start a winery and um, your own make your own wine so I think she's just extremely inspiring in that way uh, there is a little bit of background noise in this interview but I think that just goes a really authentic view of her life and all the things that are going on and uh, I just really appreciate her fitting me into her very busy schedule so I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do please share it and subscribe and uh, thank you again for tuning in and being a part of this. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Laura Brennan Bizzle. Enjoy. Welcome to Women in Wine. My name is Kayla, and I'm today I have a guest named Laura Brennan Bristle. No, still didn't get it right. <laughs> we tried that twice, and I still can't get it right. My last name probably should be Bristle. Bristle. Bissell. Bissell. Laura, Laura Brennan, Brennan Bissell. Bissell. There we go. And I assume that's your husband's last name. It is. Bissell. Yeah. So well, it's my last name, too. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hyphenated. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we were just kind of talking about you moving to here to California mm-hmm. in 2006 and kind of getting used to this area. and. Mm-hmm. And then moving to Barcelona, which, did that start a wine interest, too? I mean, being so in Barcelona, it's always kind of a... I was interested in wine before I left for Barcelona. It was actually the catalyst for going there. Um, I went to Spain with a bicycle in the plan of, like, riding my bike into France and finding a winery to intern at and pick grapes. And I had no idea what I was doing, and it was a completely romantic idea. But... I got to Barcelona and had not enough money to really go on any great adventures and kind of had to hit the ground and figure out what the hell I was going to do. Um, and do you speak Spanish, too? I mean, Barcelona's a very... I mean, now I speak a bit of Spanish and Catalan, but when I got there, no. Wow. I mean, I think I thought I did, but... <laughs> when you actually with the locals yeah. and how fast they speak, yeah. Yeah, or just, yeah, I mean, it's it was it was a great like very welcomed rude rude awakening um I yeah so I stayed in Barcelona and I started teaching English um and then I met 
a Catalan guy pretty shortly after being there. And we fell madly in love and decided to get married and, you know, spent the next year and a half fighting and then having a really wonderful time and then fighting and then having a really wonderful time and so on and so forth. And when that balance moved in the other direction, I think we were both like, eh. <laughs> And how old are you at this point? Uh, I think I was 26 when 26. I got there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe 25, 25, 26. I think I might have turned 26 right after I got there. And then you came back here and started your internship at UNTI? Yes. Yeah. So when I was there towards the end of my tenure, I was like, I'm going to become a winemaker. And people are like, how do you plan on doing that? And I was like, watch me. <laughs> so I wrote a very embellished resume and sent it to a bunch of wineries. And I got a couple of responses. And UNTI was one of them. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So that like spirit of like, just watch me do it. I can do whatever I put my mind to. Have you always had that? Is that something that um, you had as a child? I've always been stubborn. Um, and I think I've always been pretty gritty. Um, I think that for me, really all it takes is one person to tell me that I can't do something. And that's just like... It's like them signing their death sentence. Like, I'm like, okay. Watch me. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I actually just started doing a type of weight training that's, like, really, really intense. Like, you're supposed to push as hard as you can for, like, a pretty short period of time. Like, the whole point of it is to fatigue yourself completely. Um, and I really like it because I have noticed kind of the older I get that that place in most people's brains that says you can't go any further than this you have to stop like in my brain is like oh no <laughs> like we're gonna keep you can do this um so it's cool because I can I can really it's a really good kind like, of skill to have yes to and no going. I mean I think that you can physically hurt yourself with that right. skill and you can also emotionally hurt yourself and Burned. financially hurt yourself and you know also and and, and, and overcomplicate your life but I think that ultimately it is a good skill. It's just one that you have to kind of start wielding more carefully the older you get. Mm. Have boundaries maybe a little bit too. Boundaries are really important. Yeah. Those came later in my life. Yeah. <laughs> They're hard to get. Yeah. So what is the name of this weightlifting kind of program oh, you got into? It's called high intensity strength or some people say um, high intensity. Uh, like hit. Is it no, 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 no. Oh, it's different than cardio, hit. Sorry, yeah. yeah, some people say high-intensity resistance tra training, oh, okay. but high-intensity strength training is the way that I was introduced to it. It's different. It's, like, completely opposite of hit. Like, hit is, like, really fast intervals kind of over and over, oh, right. working out really hard. Um, this is, like, very slow and continuous muscle movements with really, really heavy weights. Wow. Like, think about what you would be able to bench press and do like three sets of 10. Like this would be what you would be able to do maybe like, like what you think you would be able to do six reps of total, but you like try and push yourself to do 15 and you have to do it really slow and you don't get any breaks in the middle. Yeah, I can just feel the, my muscles even just thinking about it. Just like well, that the, point. Oh, it's, it's, so it's really painful and intense in that sense, but also the recovery of it is better because you're not doing it for as long. Mm. So it doesn't hurt as much the next day, which is great with kids.
Oh, yeah. And I could also see that it'd be really good on your body. So it's like less wear, basically. Yes. So if you are somebody who, say, had three children, one when you were a, teen- a teenager and two really close together and spend large amounts of time on your feet or driving a, in a bumpy truck. And yeah, things, with your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wine making has a lot to do with your hands. Yeah, I think things like this are, are really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And quick too. I mean, a little bit faster than when you're such a busy person. Um, yeah, the, the the fast the fast part is definitely good. <laughs> so, did anyone ever tell you, out of curiosity, that you couldn't start your own wine brand, and that's oh yeah, is that what started <laughs> a little bit of this? Um, well, I mean, when I so definitely people told me that I couldn't just move to California and become a winemaker. That's not how it worked. That I had to go to college and I had to do all this stuff to get there. Um, I think there was that part of it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, after I worked my first vintage, I was like, well, I'm going to make wine. And then I definitely got the attitude from a lot of people that like, I hadn't earned the right to make my own wine or like I hadn't, you know, achieved the rite of passage to move into the next phase. And I had to like be a grunt for, you know, X amount of years. And everybody kind of seems to have a prescription of that. I mean, not everybody, of course. But, I, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of naysaying. Um, this is my nanny getting home with oh, okay. my son. Okay, perfect. So. <laughs> well, this is what the real life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm pumping right now, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I know. So it really just shows, like, you balancing everything and being a mom and a winemaker. So you must have some support and help for that. I mean. Oh, I am really fortunate for the support and help that I have. Before I get segued away from it I do want to say that people telling you that you can't do things I think is important for certain types of personalities but I think that for all of those people there's been important people in my life who have told me that I can do things and people that I have always kind of had to check in with like if I you know am I crazy you know people I can call and be like hey I'm thinking this thing or what do you think about this and I think those are obviously more valuable relationships than mm-hmm. the ones that just challenge you. Do you have any particular mentors you would want to mention or talk about? Um, well, I would say that my longest term person um, that deserves that mention is my best friend Caesar who owns a bar in Santa Fe called The Matador mm-hmm. and he and I have known each other forever and he's always told me basically that, you know, I'm going to get through it and I can kind of do what I want and kind of seen, seen the long game with me. And then another friend of mine, Christine, who has a company as well, also a small business owner, and she's in North Carolina and has an ice cream truck called the Ice Queen. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and then... You know, neither of them have anything to do with the wine community, but they're just, they've been my people. Um, And then uh, in the wine community, uh, Jonathan Haydu from Covenant, who is actually a kosher winemaker. um, I met him before I moved to Spain, and we just became friends, and he has just always believed in me. And, you know, from the very beginning when I knew absolutely nothing and was completely shooting from the hip he um 
he just kind of always helped me in any way that he could. I mean, to this day still, like, I'm like, Jonathan, can I borrow your labeler or, you know, things like that. And he so graciously obliges and just continues to believe in me. And um, I would say that Steve Mathiason has been a character like that for me, too. Um, you know, again, to this day, like, it could be the dead middle of harvest. We're both in the middle of shit, and I'm, you know need his help <laughs> you know like with a you know a question like some really insignificant question any other time of year but at that exact moment it is like Crucial. the sky is falling yeah and uh jack roberts um his assistant winemaker and he and his wife joanna have a winery called keep um they've also kind of been my guardian angels at certain points during harvest that's something I love about the industry. It's very much a community that helps each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there's definitely part of that. And, like, within that community, there's little pods, you know, that form. And um, I guess I want to know, how did you find your pod? How did you find your tribe a little bit? Um, kind of by... I, You know, I was actually thinking about this exact thing today. Um, and I think that... I mean, it's that's like a much bigger question. That to me, it's almost like a like a life view question. Like, how do you find your people? How do you find, you know, what you love? How do you find what feels kind of like home to you? Um, and I think that like questions like that almost make me believe more in like something universal or something like that we can't really explain that just pulls us to each other I mean it's the same reason that like the older I get the more I'm like willing to embrace biodynamic farming and things like that even though I mean I've always liked wines that are biodynamic and thought that Rudolf Steiner's writing was really esoteric and cool but the older I get the more I think I believe in it and that's, I guess, after going through stages, you know, of being, you know, when I was younger, I was definitely more mystical or whatever. And then going through, like, deep stages of super analytical kind of deconstruction of myself and everything around me. And then, you know, having a family and really looking around at the wonderful people I get to spend my time with and saying, like, I don't believe that this is all random, you know? Something bigger. Yeah, exactly. That's how I like to look at it. It's and a nicer way of looking at it than that we're just like boxes of meat. Yeah. With no purpose. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It does make it really more fun. Um, so tell me a little bit more about starting your wine label because it comes as a thought maybe in the beginning, something you thought about, you had to dream about, and then to that point where it's actually a label and it's on a bottle, there's a lot of stuff that happens in between there. How long did it take you to get there? I mean, just the thought process. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I made my first barrel of wine in 2012, and that was with Jonathan Haydu. Um, and that was just because I really, really, really wanted to make wine, and he knew I really, really, really wanted to make wine. And I really, really, really wanted to make Cab Franc, and I had no money whatsoever at all. And he was like, you should make wine this year. And I was like, I don't have any money. And he was like, I'll give you a half ton of grapes. And I was like, I don't have anywhere to do it. And he was like, you can do it at my winery. And I was like, I don't have a barrel. And he was like, I'm not going to let you make any more excuses. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. So I made some wine. 
Um, I was determined to make no sulfur wine that was like super esoteric and like, you know, like sent my wine good energy <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and ended up sulfuring it before bottle, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, and it's fine. It tastes good. I probably could have put some more sulfur in it and it might taste better now. But no, I mean, it's, you know, it ended up being perfectly fine. Um, I'm happy, happy to have that as my first vintage. Um, and then by 2013, I was working at a wine bar and knew that I wanted to make more wine. So I had met Steve Mathiason at a tasting and asked him to intern with him. And he let me be their vineyard intern, um, which was excellent because it meant that I got to spend days just driving like all over California, kind of Napa area, um, walking vineyards and seeing things in vineyards, which I feel like even if you have no idea what you're looking at is more informative sometimes than reading about a vineyard. Um, so it was kind of like a nice introduction that way. Um, and I spent, I spent time in the vineyard at Unti too, but not, not like this, like not out by myself, like, you know, like finding rabbit's feet and peeing in the vineyard. And, you know, it felt a lot like being a little kid, you know, playing in the creek and kind of, um, especially learning under him too. I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge about vineyards and viticulture. Yeah. And he also just has a really nice pace of being a human as well. Um, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's ego driven and there's a lot of that in this industry. Yes. Um, like I think that like he and Jill, his wife, both legitimately love farming and like love doing good by the earth and, and love learning. And I think that's maybe like the best thing in any teacher is like somebody who like is constantly trying to learn themselves because they're excited. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that in many people as they get older. I see that. Well, especially in this industry, we're always learning. You never stop. You hope. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit more about Inkanu then. Like, how did that, the name, the wines, kind of um, keep going from there? So, yeah, 13, made more wine. Um, kind of by, again, blind faith from other people you know I, I had somebody write me a check early on with like a loan kind of under the you you make some wine and if you can sell it pay me back in a couple of years um, and I tried to pay them back in a couple of years and they wouldn't take my money wow. which was a hugely gracious and did you solicit that like did you were you looking for investors at all or was it something that uh yeah 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 I okay. definitely so I mean I I was looking for any angle I could possibly find to, to accomplish my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously anything that didn't compromise what I believed in. I had thought about doing a Kickstarter and I'm so happy I didn't do that because it's just that that's like accruing the most horrible debt, which mm-hmm. is like people's emotional and personal needs. 
and like and opinions and op- <laughs> yes opinions yeah. that's always harder too yes i if i needed opinion investors i'd be the richest lady in the world i'm gonna go yeah, grab him and nurse him pardon me i'm yeah. just i'll bring him over no perfect um sorry no worries so i guess we're going back into your wine label I originally wanted to call my wine Demiurge, um, which is like a, there's like a platonic meaning and a Greek, like a Greek meaning, um, or I'm sorry, that would be the platonic meaning. Mm-hmm. There's uh, also like a Gnostic meaning, but the Demiurge in either of those is like the the creator of things on earth, like the artisanal creator and the, you know, then there's God and then the Demiurge. Um and one of my friends was like that's a stupid name nobody's gonna know what it means and everybody's just going to think it means halfurge and i was really attached to that name and didn't want to hear it but i also thought about it and i was like okay fine you're right um so i sent him an email that said wine ankle new and then i was just like huh huh i like that like it's nice I think I had just listened to the Radio Lab podcast about uh, L'Inconnu, like the, the woman who threw herself into the Sin River. And I did a music project under that name for a while, too. So, um... So that had a lot of meaning, yeah. Yeah, to you. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it just kind of, you know, made sense. Like, unknown. Like, I am not known. I don't have a winemaking family. I didn't go to Davis. I don't have any prestige. Like, I don't have a, like... Like, I'm sorry, but I don't have a lot of the things that a lot of people who go into wine have. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's more of a challenge that way. Yeah, it's more of a challenge that way, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, I think back of, like, it would be pretty nice to have, like, your own winery and everything. <laughs> Family winery to come into. Oh, and yes. how different your life could be. Well, unless you didn't want to be a winemaker. And then that's a little harder, too. <laughs> Yeah, would you have the dream that you could pass this on to some to your children someday if they were interested? Um, I hope so. I mean, obviously not. Like, I wouldn't want to pass on to them, you know, the current, you know, like the hour commute and you know the cold warehouse side of it. I, you know, I hope hopefully can build my my business into into something far far greater and in in more kind of in more uh, I don't know what the right word would be you know like I would want to have a vineyard that we're farming or you know that we own at least and is being farmed exactly to our specs and have our own winery where you know it's just our wine being made in it and not that I mind sharing a space I mean I, I quite like a lot of the people I spend time with in the winery and it's it's sometimes nice not to be alone um, have that support yeah. yeah yeah I mean just I mean I like I ha- have help at my winery um now which I desperately need because I'm making too much wine for one person to do it themselves and that's new this year I'm assuming because you've been a one woman like show for a while yeah, no, I mean, I, like, in, in being a one-woman show, I would still say that that's not necessarily an inaccurate thing. I mean, you know, it's not like anybody has ever made my wine for me, period. But, I mean, last year I hired an intern, and 
you know, I also, like at the facility I'm at, somebody else will drive the forklift or something, you know, and, and I think that like that's not, not winemaking. I think that at a certain level that's smart winemaking. And, and last year I definitely needed that too because I was in my third trimester of pregnancy and I made, you know, roughly 2,500 cases of wine last year, which is like not small potatoes no, like you it's a lot of work yeah 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 well and it's not just winemaking what about you got sales marketing all those aspects too do you do you do all that as well and yes yeah so yeah. it's not even just those couple of months where it's crushing and everything no, it's no, no, so no. much going it's, on yeah it's I mean it's it's running a business and and thank god my husband helps me on the actual like invoicing um you know, uh, spreadsheet side of things. Uh, that's not my forte. Um, so thankfully he's, he's able to do that. But I would say that this year, you know, I'm looking into hiring an assistant, assistant, uh, in the winery. And then we're also looking into hiring a bookkeeper Yeah. just so our lives aren't completely consumed by winery. So that every time we sit down at the table to talk about God knows what. It doesn't digress into the winery. Yeah. The word balance. What do you think about the word balance when you hear it as like a mom, a business owner, a winemaker? Um, do you believe there's such a thing is a really good kind of way to start? I mean, I think I believe in a balancing act. I, I think I believe that like you can find an equilibrium, but I don't think it's prescriptive. Um, I think that I, you know, I'm, I'm like during harvest, for example, there's no way to prescriptively say, this is my time I'm doing this. This is my time I'm doing that. Like, it's kind of just like you're in oh shit mode and you make everything happen. I mean, you can have an harvest, you can have a harvest schedule. You can have your pick scheduled. You can do all of those things to try and make things go as seamlessly as possible and there will be something that goes wrong that just completely turns all of that into chaos. So I would say that um, the same skills, I think, that go into being able to handle a highly demanding situation with two young children are the same skills, I think, that go into running a successful business in the early stages, which are taking care of yourself first and foremost. Like you can't do anything if you're sick, can't do anything. Um, having people that you trust to help you, um, you know, that, that you are, you know, for example, like with our nanny, like that I'm, I'm never worried about what my children are doing. I always know that they're okay and they're loved. Um, so you don't have that stress. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, and, and just being flexible. Like you have to be flexible. You can't, I mean, you need to have a vision. You need to know what the end is. Like the end is important. Like or the, the, the formalized thought of what you want. But the way that you get there is, is really going to change constantly. Um, 
And, you know, I, I was having a conversation with um, one of the previously mentioned people recently, and we were talking about just how, how we see the world. And I, and I asked him if he had ever looked over a place and had, like, a silence in his head to know that everything is the way it should be and where it is. You know, like in, in meditation, it's a sense of thusness or suchness, like when you just, the only thing in your head is like the sound of the wind. And I think that like vineyards or being in the cellar can sometimes like elicit that feeling inside of me, like where there's just like a flow of, of quiet, which I haven't gotten much of in my life. Um, and he said, no. He said, but I know what it's like to uh, to have the, the clown jump out in the fun house. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the craziness. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, I, and I think that that's the other part of it. Like, that happens. And when the clown jumps out in the fun house, you have to be able to, like, look at the clown and be like, oh, that's a clown jumping out in the fun house and, like, go around it and not be like, oh, shit, what am I, I'm going to panic and, you know, like, run the other way and yeah. drop whatever I'm doing right now because I can't handle this anymore. Right. Like, that's not, okay. that's not how it works if it's going to work. <laughs> so you mentioned meditation, so I would love to ask you about your meditation practice and, or do you have certain things that help you stay sane and, like, in the eye of a storm? What are the kind of things that you do to help you stay in balance maybe um I for like large chunks of my life was really into meditation um and would like to get back there I think that it's very difficult for me right now to like lay down and close my eyes and essentially not think I mean I know that that's the whole point of meditation and and I can get there sometimes and it's really nice and and relaxing and beautiful, but um, I mean, this point, um, I exercise, um, I go to yoga, which is, you know, depending how you're doing it, it can be very similar to meditation. Definitely. I mean, I think that, the, honestly, the type of weightlifting that I just started doing is, like, very similar to meditation, because you have to, like, really have to breathe. Like, mm -hmm. you can't not breathe. It just doesn't work then. Yeah. And you're very focused, too, I would say. Right? Absolutely, like, yes. That. Yeah, and you can't really think about anything because you're under an excruciating amount of weight. Um, I get massages. I go to the chiropractor when I need to because if I don't, I just hurt myself more and more, and it's not worth it. Um, and I go to acupuncture. Oh, so cool. Yeah. That's something I've been wanting to get into. Acupuncture sounds If you so find fun. a good acu... Well, I, I mean, fun operatively, well, maybe. I mean, just... I think it's just so powerful. It's so incredible to think about. I yes. Guess. Like, fun in the idea of, like, how does that even work? <laughs> like, it's pretty incredible. It's really interesting because when you have a good acupuncturist, like, they'll put a needle in you and you can, like, feel the sympathetic point of it. Yeah, it's 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 cool. I, I like it. Um... And I definitely feel like it can kind of balance me emotionally, but also, um, also like physically. Sometimes it can it can sort out things that are going on. I mean, and, and maybe most importantly is like I talk about my feelings. 
you know, I have people who I like love and trust who I can call and talk to about what's going on in my life. And I feel like I'm that for other people as well. And that's really important. Like the sense of community support. Yeah. Community. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Those are huge. Um, so have you felt that being a woman has affected your career in winemaking? I was kind of noticing some of the, like the mentors you named were never actually happened to be women. Um, but in the wine, wine industry at least, but has that negatively, positively, has it not even been an issue to you? Um, I don't think that you can be anything and have it not affect you. Um, good point. I <laughs> happen to be a woman, so that's going to affect every single thing that really happens to me in my life ever. Um, unless it's like written and I'm lying about being a woman and I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of head padding that happened to me when I was younger. Um, but maybe more, I have a really strong personality. <laughs> so I think that that bypassed maybe some of the like crap that women get for being too nice and stuff like that. I don't think being too nice has ever, or not, you know, not, that's not the right way to say it. I don't think that, No, I'm reassessing this. People have definitely felt like they can push me around. <laughs> but um, I don't know if the ways that I'm thinking about that had as much to do with the fact that I'm a woman as much as they might have had to do with the fact that, like, I'm not an elitist, like, California person mm -hmm. whose family has a shitload of money and, you know, who kind of feel like they can just walk all over people who don't have the same heel as them. Um so maybe my class <laughs> has affected me <laughs> um, and then being a woman as well. But I mean, yeah, I, I, women in wine is like an interesting thing for me right now because I think that there is some level of that that is not like the, the emphasis of just supporting women is not really beneficial for women sometimes because there's this level of placation that can happen where it's like, it's kind of like, I'm going to say the terrible word, it's kind of like natural wine, where it, like, it doesn't matter if it's good wine or bad wine. If it's natural wine, people want to like it, and I feel like women in wine can kind of be like that, where it's like it doesn't matter if it's good wine or bad wine. It's a woman. We should support it. Just judge on character and who they are and what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the funny thing is, like, all of that aside, wine is a consumable product. And the way that you judge wine, as far as I'm concerned, is if it tastes good or not. <laughs> like, and, and I mean, you know, if I find out it's a woman or I find out it's low sulfur, bonus. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's like, if I find out it's like a baby boomer age dude who lives in France. I'm like, okay, cool. I like this one. I'm going to keep drinking it, you know? Yeah. So, um, do you feel anything about like trying to prove yourself a little bit more, a little ever, not just being a woman, but like just your experience and kind of going out there? I don't know how much that 
comes from being a woman or like coming from a really different place again. I mean, there's definitely this part of me, you know, especially when I was like getting my winery started where I felt like everybody was like, yeah, 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 whatever. You're not really going to pull this one off. And, and I would be like, well, and I'm going to do this and how's this going? And what do you think of this? And do you think the wine's okay? And this and that and blah, 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 blah. And it was like, I was obsessed with it and couldn't not think about it or not talk about it. And I don't know, I don't think that that, again, like, was a woman thing. I think that that was just, like, a noob thing. I think that people, so when you're a dude right off the bat, I think people will give you more respect and more of a chance up front. Or if you're, like, I'm a winemaker, they won't ask you if you make the wine in your garage or in your kitchen, which I've definitely gotten many times. Um... But I don't, yeah, I don't know if it affects my decisions as much as I feel like it might have sometimes affect external notches. So what did kind of moment in your life kind of seem like at the time maybe a big failure, but actually turned out to be a really good lesson? Do you have any kind of good stories or experiences around that? I don't know if I really look at my life in the concept of failures. I mean, I, I guess like, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep giving you these like, I like <laughs> philosophical it, no. I answers. I really, really enjoy it. So, no, but um, I don't, I mean, what's a failure? A relationship that doesn't work out, like not talking to your parents anymore. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, like not working at a job anymore, breaking up with a friend, like, I don't know if I consider most things failures. I mean, my soup stock that I burnt, so my house smells like smoke right now, that was a failure. I definitely learned a lesson of like setting a timer or setting a reminder, (laughs) which I'll still forget to do the next time. Um, But I don't know if I think of difficult situations in my life as failures. I mean, I... I definitely learn lessons and you know the older I get the more I try to learn from other people's mistakes instead of my own um but uh, yeah I mean I've, I've had a lot of difficult things happen in my life and and feel like there's you know I think that's actually part of what pulls people through is that when something bad happens if you can look into the pieces of misery and say well I'm going to take this one piece away from it and it's it's not something negative you know so I mean it's nice to have that clarity I think sometimes when you're in those moments though it's it's hard like you're like kind of like oh my gosh am I ever gonna get through this (laughs) and then you realize when you take a step back yeah, you know, I I had my first child when I was 15, so that was obviously not planned, and it was obviously under a situation that contained much duress, but um, I think that going through that trauma... Um, and then, you know, the subsequent traumas that followed, which were many, and the heartache and everything else, at a very young age, 
might have put me or like done something with my brain that looked for the the better things happening i mean you know you know what movie i think kind of sums this up really well is um the uh, life is beautiful movie by roberto benini have you have you seen or with roberto benini yeah yeah so um that movie like where it's just it's it's the worst possible situation in the world and somehow he manages to to like make it bearable Mm -hmm. like i think that's what you have to do with life sometimes if you want it to continue to be bearable um probably makes you more resilient too and everything and yeah i mean they so resilience and and empathy are like parallel you know people who who are resilient um are generally empathetic but also elicit empathy from other people so it's kind of survival um and i do think that i you know even as a child really cared about however how you know how others around me felt um and thought about other people you know deeply um and though that made me a perfect victim for some people um you know it also was the way that i was able to build relationships that have also really really helped me and 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 find people who see that quality or who are the same and you know have have good relationships with them so not i'm not trying to to tap dance around your question at all but it's like yeah i mean there's a series of horrible things that could be that thing that I, you know, found the silver lining in and none of them are particularly pleasant to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing what you can yeah. and what you did. Um, I think it's a really good um, point of view, too. If you were to look back at kind of your 25-year-old self, what advice would you want to give her? Um... And if that's too hard, we could also say, no, no, what no, advice no. would you want to give a 25-year-old coming into this world? Uh, or maybe even 22-year-old coming All into 25-year-olds are created differently. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If they were 22, I would just be like, fuck everything, drink everything, do whatever you want, use condoms, like, <laughs> like, like seize the day. Yeah. Um, 25 is a little different. <laughs> um, I would... Probably tell 25-year-old me to not be so concerned with what other people thought of me um, and to take an accounting class. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be useful. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what other advice would you give young mother or mothers that are just having newborns or babies um going into the wine industry what what have you learned in the last two three years like do you really want to know my honest like answer for this because I was just I was just messaged by a woman who is like I have a baby and I'm thinking about becoming a winemaker like would you be willing to talk to me about what you think and I was like oh you're not gonna like this conversation (laughs) but yes okay I'll talk to you I mean, honestly, what I would say is, like, 
Oh, you want me to put my... Oh, thank you for letting me rest my feet on your chair. That's very sweet of you, Nunu. Um, oh, I see. There was an ulterior motive. Surprise, surprise. Um, I would say that if you're about to start a family or you have a young family and you're thinking about starting a winery at the same time, unless you have millions and millions and millions of dollars, you should wait until your kids are in preschool. <laughs> um, yeah, you're gonna go to sleep on my lap? Um, the sacrifices that I've had to make uh, for my family to have a business like I feel them for sure I mean the sacrifices I've had to make in my body to make all of this happen I feel them um, and though I think for me because of where I was when I got pregnant and all of the other things moving at this accelerated pace was necessary but I would say that if you don't have to, like, just wait a little tiny bit, you know? Like, there's there's more space. You know, then the more other time. side of that is it could just be like having a child. And it's like, well, you know, no time like the present. Just yeah. go for it and run for it and, you know, make it Figure happen. It as you go. But having a winery, in particular, like a small winery, is not easy. <laughs> it's like not... Like, there's this glorification of what it's like and how beautiful and amazing it is. And, you know, Instagram will sell you this grand golden image of, you know, people laying by pools or, you know, mm -hmm. in the desert. or Vineyards, the meals. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, there is some of that. And, and that stuff's nice, but at a very, very, you know, extreme cost. So, yeah. I mean, with, with mothers and with families... It just depends. I mean, you're not going to be able to have the perfect, like, Waldorf mothering experience if you're also running a business and making wine. Um, if you're willing to find compromises yourself, and if you're really good at, like, crisis management, <laughs> then maybe you'll be okay. <laughs> you know? That's good advice. But it's hard. It's, yeah. And I think any woman who has children and works in any aspect of this industry will tell you that. Or any woman who has children, period. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to be like, this is the easiest thing in the world. Right. Well, I just, I, I appreciate you being so honest, and I think it's also helpful for everyone to hear that, you know, it's, you're not alone in that, and it's, it's, it is hard. Everyone's struggling, and it's not to, like, try to be perfect and make, thing, make it seem like everything could be perfect is, is helpful, too. Yeah, I think that's kind of like my real gripe about social media right now, though. Is, and it's it's like the, part of the reason that I was like, I'm not going to clean my house up for you. I'm going to leave the laundry on the sofa. I didn't even like, notice it, honestly. Yeah. Swear to God. <laughs> you know, like I... This is, yeah, you. This is what my life looks like right now. Um, it's chaos. <laughs> Embracing the chaos and finding the joy in it. Well... I can't thank you enough. I mean, I know you are so busy and you have so much going on. Is there anything else you'd want to kind of tell the audience or kind of any like things you'd want, want them to know? I don't regret it. Like I don't regret what I've done. 
and what it's taken to get here. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel like I've missed things that I would have enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I do have moments in my life where I can kind of look back over everything that's happened and feel like a real strong sense of joy and accomplishment. And that's really satisfying. Um, but it's, again, it doesn't come without solace. Maybe that's what I would like to say. <laughs> that's great. And so uh, for people to find you, your wines, I know there's inconu.com, right? And then your social. Inconuwine.com. Oh, sorry. Inconuwine.com. And then your social handle do you is have? at inconuwine. That's all. Okay, perfect. And it's just on Instagram, and I promise not to try and sell you things on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of like a... At least for now. <laughs> it shows your life and what yeah. it is and who you are. Sure. I, really, I think it's really great. Just not my kids' faces. <laughs> <laughs> They're so adorable. They are pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can join the allocation list. <laughs> oh. All right, well, thank you again so much for your time, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> For more information about Women & Wine Podcasts, visit our website at womanandwinepodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at womanandwinepodcast.